take a, a look at our Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to start a new series tonight called Living the First Commandment, Living the First Commandment. And I am really excited about this series. Uh, it's been a while since we've taken um, a series and, and talked solely about the intimacy message, God's desire for intimacy with people. And that's what we're going to do these next six weeks or so. We're just going to slow it down and dial our hearts into God's affections and God's emotions. And that is a life-changing proposition. When you decide to slow everything down and to lock into God's affections for you and His emotions, His emotional chemistry, it is the most transformative revelation that you can connect to. Here's why. It's what Tozer said. The most important thing about you is what you think about God. That sets everything sort of in place. When you recognize that you are a full-blown product of your knowledge of God, of what you think about God, then you also will realize that what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And so when we are uh, willing to slow our hearts, settle our minds, uh, quit trying to get the three steps to success, dial ourselves down and just ask the Lord, what are you like? What are you like? What's going on in your heart? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? It has a massive impact upon us. So that's what we need to do. And so we continuously uh, marinate and the message of intimacy with God, because it's a critical uh, message as it relates to everything in our life, our, our Christian experience, but how we relate to others, everything. And so we're going to talk about the first commandment. We'll, we'll do a, 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 at least one session on the second commandment. <coughs> but we're going to talk about the first commandment primarily. Um, and this study is... Uh, I mean, I really can't overstate the essential, the essentiality of this study, how important this is. And so I want to really, really uh, uh, charge you to focus your attention on, on the words that we're going to talk about, on the scriptures, over this issue over the next six weeks. It will, it will transform your heart. I, I felt so passionately about this. I, I talked with my family today. I said, guys, we need... Greater revelation of the first commandment. I talked to my children, my wife. So we need a greater revelation of the first commandment. We, we have to have this. Because <clears throat> philosophically, it needs to be the uh, plumb line for how we live everything. How we govern ourselves. And, uh, and yeah, I said that to my children philosophically. <laughs> I said, this needs to be our philosophy of life. What Jesus said was the first and great commandment. It needs to be the philosophy of our whole life, everything else. And so I want to just walk through this. I pray that I can go slow. Because if I can go slow enough, the Lord can shine the spotlight on the important parts for you. And when that begins to happen, when the light gets flipped on, 
the familiar becomes magnanimous. It becomes massive. I love nothing, I mean, just probably nothing more that I love when I'm staring at a verse that I've read a thousand times and I just linger on it and boom, the light comes on and my face gets blown off. I love that. And you think you know it, but you just don't know it until Holy Spirit revelation lights you up. And uh, man, when the light comes on, it changes everything. So turn the light on, Lord. All right, so what we'll do is we'll read Matthew 22, and then we'll flip over to Mark 12, and we'll, we'll base from Mark 12. These are the synoptic accounts. <coughs> man, I got a little piece of pollen or something just lodged. Come out! Okay. <clears throat> it's just right there. In the name of Jesus. So, uh, Matthew 22 and Mark 12 are the two synoptic accounts of when Jesus explains the first and second commandment. We're going to read them both. We're just going to walk through them both, but we'll base out of Mark. Okay. Matthew 22, verse 35. Before we read it, let me give a little more context. They're testing Jesus. It's the last week of his life. They're trying to catch him in his words. He's being precise and he's being intentional. Okay? They're trying to catch him in his words. They want to crucify him. So they've sent the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, the lawyers, the guys that know how to take the scriptures, twist them a bit, and, and, and then, you know, accuse Jesus and then indict him. They've got all those guys. So they're, they're all circling him. And trying to get him to say something that they can accuse him about. That's what's happening. That's the context. So Jesus is answering with clarity, with focus, with intentionality. And by the end of this entire discourse, he shuts them all up. Come on. Don't get in a debate with Jesus. So there's this, that's, the, that's the story of what's going on here. <clears throat> All right, Matthew 22, verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? That's a loaded, loaded question. Why? He's asking Jesus in regard to his knowledge of the first five books of the Bible. He goes, oh, so you're, you're a, 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 a teacher, huh, Jesus? Okay. Okay, so that means you know the Pentateuch. Okay, good. So what is the uh, greatest commandment then? I mean, catch the flavor of the question. If you're so smart, Mr. Miracle Guy, I mean, that's how he's acting. If you're so smart, Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? And they're just hoping he'll step in it. He's setting a trap, and they're hoping that Jesus will step in the trap. He says, without blinking, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He's quoting Leviticus 19. I'll get to that in a minute. He's quoting Leviticus 19. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. And he goes, in case you wanted to know, here's the next most important one. Because he asked him for the great commandment, which is the, which is the most important. He goes, I'll give you two. 
in order. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the great commandment, the first and the great commandment, he says. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40. uh, Critical thought. This is such a critical thought. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. I'll break that down in a minute. Flip on over to Mark chapter 12. Let's read it again. Mark's going to give us a little more detail. <clears throat> Mark's gospel is really Peter's version. Mark, a disciple really of Peter, and giving the gospel account from Peter's vantage point. Verse 28, Mark 12, verse 28. Then one of the scribes came, this is that same lawyer, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus, that he had answered them well, Asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Verse 29. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments. is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Look at this. With all your mind, with all your strength. Interesting how Peter remembered it. There's, a, there's an addition in there. Matthew has it. Your heart, soul, Mind, Mark has it, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Interesting. We'll look at that in a minute. This is the first commandment. The second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Look at verse 32. Look at where the additional detail we get about this lawyer, this scribe. So the scribe said to him, We don't have this in Matthew. We have it in Mark, though. The scribe said, And well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You could call this section a, a, a scribe converted. He starts off questioning Jesus, by the end of it, he goes, I think he actually knows what he's talking about, gang. That, I mean, that's what he's doing. He goes, uh, yeah, that's the right answer. He's probably looking at his guys going, uh, that's the right answer. That, good answer, Jesus. <clears throat> now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. And then he goes on and he asks them a question. <laughs> I love it. And he stumps them all completely. It's awesome. So, here we go. These two commandments, we get them from two different portions in the Old Testament. Now, they're reiterated in different ways throughout. But the verbatim, those two texts, we get one, uh, the first commandment from Leviticus 19, verse 18. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Right there, it says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love... Oh, I'm giving you the second commandment. Goofy, goofy, goofy. I, Leviticus 19, 18, the second commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sorry. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. First commandment. Hear, O Israel, the, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. 
So Deuteronomy 6, first, Leviticus 19, second, Jesus says these are the first and second commandment. Now, here's an important point. They're not, obviously, the first of the first two of the Ten Commandments. First two of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me, shall make no graven images. These are not those, these are different. When the lawyer was asking Jesus, which is the great commandment, and Jesus answers, this is the first and the great commandment, it's understood in the questioning. The lawyer is saying, out of the whole law, what's the most important? What's the most important? And Jesus answers, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. These are the most important. And so it's not first in order, it's first in importance. That idea is a massive idea. Now think this through for a minute. As it relates to Judaism and as it relates to Christianity, as it relates to the whole story of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are two commands that God gave that outweigh everything else. That's what Jesus is saying. There's two commandments that outweigh everything else. When you look at them, you find in Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, you find it's right there in the middle of the moral laws. These are not in any particular order, but they are the, they are the core realities that the whole storyline of the Scripture is built on. The whole storyline of the Scripture is built on these two core realities. Love God with everything in you. And love your neighbor the way you love yourself. The implications of that are vast. If just if the Old Testament, if just the Jew in the Old Testament could have caught this point, he would have understood that everything that God is doing is about love. All the commandments are about love. Why is he giving us these commands? Telling us to stay away from this and stay away from that. Because he loves you. And he's after love from you. Beloved, if you don't hear anything else. If you don't hear anything else. Hear this. When considering the dealings of God with you. When considering the journey of your life, when you're considering the ups and downs, the valleys, the mountains, when you're considering the challenges, always catch this point. The chief thing God is after is love. He's after love. True love, unoffended love, abandoned love, full-hearted love. Why did God do that? You may not understand it and how it all works together, but I guarantee you he's after love. Why did I have to go through that? I don't have all the A, B, C, Ds, but I do have the big one. I know he's after love. He's after love. He is after 
love. I don't think I can say that enough. What does God want from you? Love. He wants blind faith. No, he wants love. Faith works by love. He just wants obedience. No, he wants love and a heart that abandons itself because it's in love. He just wants to make me suffer. No, no. He's suffered more than anyone. Perhaps he's inviting you into a chamber in his heart that he doesn't share with just everybody. Because he is after intimate love. The great commandment is love. The first commandment is love. Beloved, the story is about love. It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. The reason you go through the ups and downs you do, the challenges you've had, the, the, I mean, just the, the moments of where you're paralyzed, the indecision, the options, the persecution, the negativity, the high points, the blessing, all of it. What's it what are you doing? He goes, I'm trying to flow in love with you. It's love, beloved. It's love. Sometimes he's, he's so zealous in his encountering of us, he's breaking our hands off of other things that we've gripped onto that we've loved more than him. Because he's after love. Sometimes you look at somebody and you go, man, they're just getting like crazy favor and blessing. What's he doing? He knows that honey attracts bees. I remember Lord speaking to my heart. He goes, I'll give you anything that will evoke a pure response of love from you to me. Anything. Here's the problem is, most people, when they get blessed with stuff, they love what they got instead of me. What's God's motive? Love. That's his motive, gang. It's all about love. It's all about love. The first commandment, it identifies his first desire. It identifies his first purpose. It identifies everything that's foremost in the heart of God. The whole story, all the law and the prophets... Hang on this. Think about that for a minute. If they could have just seen it. Why are you doing this? I want love. The divine personality. God the entire time is saying. He's shouting to Israel. I want love. Through every judgment. Through every blessing. Through every trial. Through every valley. On every mountaintop. He's shouting. I want love. I want to flow in love with you people. I just want your heart. I just want love. Man, when you start thinking it through. The idea... That God is after love at the, 
at the forefront of everything else. That, that the command to love God with everything is what all the law and the prophets depend on. When you get that idea within you, all of a sudden, the story changes. You might know the details, but the story changes. Why? Because his motivation is made known. His motivation is made known in all of his dealings. It's love. Why the Babylonian captivity? He wants love from his people. He's not willing to let Israel play the harlot. He wants love. What's the most important commandment, Jesus? The most important one? Love him with everything. Love him with everything. Love him with all that you are. Love him with everything. He goes, this is the first and the great. He gives that distinction. It's the first and the great. Well, why, why first, why great? First is most important. It's the one that takes precedent over everything else. When Jesus says first, he means this is the precedent-setting commandment in the entire scripture. Love God. When you don't know what to do, love God. Perfect answer to every question. You're stumped. You don't know what to do. Love him. I love you. I love you. He goes, this is awesome. When things are going horrible and you you have no answers, what do you do? Love him. Love him. You know what the enemy is ultimately after? He's after your love. He just doesn't want one person to love God. Because it's the main thing God's after. He said, I'll be just like God. What, in grandeur and splendor? Yes. But what else? In affections of the human heart. I want their affections. He doesn't even mind if it's counterfeit. He goes, I'll settle for lusts. I'll settle for falsehoods. I'll settle for false beauty, false affections. I'll settle for bondages. I'll settle, in fact, I'll let them worship themselves. And I know it's me. Because at the end of the day, they're not loving him. God goes, I want love. That's why I made you. I made you to flow and back and forth in love with you. That's what it's here for. So the first commandment, the pre, it's the precedent. It's the most important. It, it, it's the priority. It supersedes all the others. It's the one that, honestly, when you're stuck, love him. I don't think there's anything as, I mean, just as beautiful as that we can offer to the Lord is this. You're standing there. You're stuck. Your situation is a mess. The money's not there. The answers aren't there. You don't have the wisdom. You don't know what's going on. It's dark. You can't see. You don't feel. You don't know. And you stand there and you go, all that, God, but you know what? I love you. I love you. I got nothing, but I love you. I'm not sure there's a more beautiful gift that you can give him. You can go preach to the masses out of duty or stand there in the dark and love him. And I think he prefers standing in the dark and loving than anything you would do by duty. The ship is wrecked. You're bobbing in the ocean. 
Everybody hates you. They're trying to arrest you. They're going to send you to Rome to kill you. You're bobbing out there. Sharks are circling. I'm sure Paul was going, I love you. It's bad out here, but I love you. You're in the jail. It's midnight. You've been beaten to death. And you get your partner and you go, let's just sing that song. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. It's the one that takes precedent over everything else. The first commandment. It's the great commandment. First is priority. Great speaks of the impact. What do you mean? This commandment has more power to change and impact the human heart than anything else. This is the one that blows people away. That's what he's saying. He goes, it's the first one, it's the priority, but it's the great one in that it will impact you. It will change you. It will transform you. This is the one that's designed to touch the human heart at the deepest level. The most transformative command that God has ever given is love him with everything. It's the most transformative command that God has ever given. Love him with everything. So it's the first and it's the great. Okay. Okay. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Heart, soul, mind, strength. Now, in, in the Old Testament account, we, we only get heart, soul, strength. And the way that the Greek words, or the Aramaic words, the way that they actually translate those, those Hebrew words, it's a little different. We get heart, mind, soul, strength. Instead of just heart, soul, strength. Why? Because the the Hebrew is giving us a a rich definition of these uh, faculties in in three words. And we get it in the Greek in in four. It's it's all it is. It's it's the human language, uh, the inconsistencies in it. It's just like in English, you might have to use two words to say a certain word in another language. And so that's what's going on here. Heart, mind, soul, strength. So rather than taking you through a Hebrew and Greek study course, I don't want to lose, I have done the work, I just don't want to lose you on that point. Let me give you what they mean. Heart, when you you combine the, the Hebrew and the Greek words, these are the definitions you end up with. The heart is the inner man, the vigor, and the life. The inner man, the vigor, and the life. The soul, it's the passions, the affections, the emotions, the feelings, and the desires. The mind, it's the intellect, the understanding, and your thoughts. The strength is your ability, your force, and your might. So, if you take all those, put them together, and expand the English words, this is what the first commandment reads like. Love God with all your inner man, all your vigor, and all your life. Love God with all your passions, affections, emotions, feelings, and desires. Love God with all your intellect, thoughts, and understanding. Love God with all your ability, all your force, and all your might. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I started staring at that. I was just staring at that. Sitting in the prayer room, just meditating on it. Just looking at it. All my heart, 
all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. And I just thought, man, Lord, (laughs) you really want all. You want everything. All my strength. I started thinking of the implications of that. He was, I want all your emotions. All the vigor that's in your heart. All the life that's inside of you. He goes, I want it for me. I want you to love me like that. All the thoughts in your mind. All that dazzling intellect I've placed in there. All that unbelievable stuff going on in your brain. I want all of it blown away with love for me. All your energy. All your feelings all your passions, all your desires, that hunger inside your soul. He goes, I created it that it would be directed toward me. All your energy, all your energy, all your force, all your might. He goes, I want forceful, mighty love. I'm like, man, you must be into me if you want me like that. He goes, you have no idea. Think it through. For him to command that of you, what does that mean about how much he wants you? Okay, You want like all of it? He goes, 100%. Like the thoughts, all of them. Passions, yes. Energy, yes. Strength, yes. All of it, all of it, all of it. You must really want me. He goes, you have zero idea how much I want you. Do you get it? He gave the command, not so that he's this big potentate. We love you. We're scared of you. We love you. We love you. No, no, no. He gave the command because he wants all those emotional depths of who you are, all the intellectual heights of who you are, all the strengths of who you are. He wants all of it engaged in intimate relationship with him. He's after you like that. The command exposes him. What I mean is this. The command tells us so much about him. That he would command love. Why didn't he just command obedience? Why didn't he command work? Why didn't he command, just command faith? It's not what he's after. Is work bad? No. Is obedience bad? No. Is faith bad? No. They're all good. They're all products of love. It's all products of love. He commands the one thing that's the most essential, which is the one thing he wants the most. He could have commanded anything. Instead, he commands love. What does that tell you about him? What's he like? What does it mean that a God God commands love as the number one command? What's that mean about him? I was thinking it through. So we have all these faces of God in in the scripture. We have him as judge. We have him as king. We have him as father. We have him as God. Probably 
those are probably the most intimidating ones for people to think about. Judge, king, father. That's a scary one for a lot of folks in, in this generation that have had rough experiences naturally. God, you know, you, you, you ask the unsaved guy, who's God? Some, you know, white-haired guy with a beard up on a throne smashing people. Don't necessarily have a biblical image of him. Okay, if that's your image of him, that's fine. But let's think this through then. Let's think about him as judge. He is the chief lawgiver. That's what he's called. That's a, a biblical name for him. The chief lawgiver, the judge. What are the implications of a lawgiver, a judge, who when laying out the laws of the land, he says, the most critical law of this entire legislation is you falling in love with me. I mean, we would all be like, okay, there's the judge. He's about to, he's going, I'm going to tell you the most important one. You're like, okay, this is the serious one. Like, you can't break this one. He goes, love me with everything. You go, what, what, what did you just say? He goes, love. I want love. What kind of judge commands love? Ours. Our judge is the one who commands love. <laughs> Any idea what that means? That means all the laws in the kingdom of God are based on one singular law. Love God with everything. What's going on in the heart of the lawgiver whose main law is love? Let's think about him as a king. If you and I, if we walked into the president's office, we would be freaked out. Secret Service people talking into their wrists, it would be intense. Military, all sorts of intense stuff going on there. We'd be like, don't say anything dumb. This is the president. Let's make him a monarch. Let's make him royalty. Let's put robes on him. Let's put a scepter in his hand. Let's put a big old crown on his head. Let's put, you know, jewels and and gold and diamonds. Let's make this thing highfalutin kingship. And you walk into the throne room. And there is the potentate of the universe. The king. He goes, I am going to make a decree over the land. And you're like, oh, Okay. He goes, this is the one decree that my kingdom hinges upon. You must follow this decree. You know, they're like, dun, 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 you know, sounding the trumpets. Here's the decree. You're like, oh, God, what is this one? Gonna? You're like, you're hanging on. Love me with everything. You go, did he, what did he just say? He said, love him with everything. You, you and I, we'd look at each other, we'd go, you know, he's awesome. He's a king. He's got all this might and power and royalty, but he's mushy. His heart is tender. His heart is tender. What about a father? There's one value in this family that we will not break. 
Okay, Dad, what is it? One value that we will not break. What is it? I want you to love me. What about a God who over all his whole creation, and this is our God now, over all creation, our God says there is one command that matters above everything. Love me. Love me. It changes our perspective when we understand what's working inside of him. And what's working inside of him isn't all this vindictive, vengeful, whatever it is, jump how high over the hoop, you know, over the hurdle, jump through the hoop, try to make me happy stuff. We have this, this image of God so often that he's just trying to get people to perform or just trying to get slaves to work or just trying to get servants to bow down. And God is not that way at all. That's not what he's saying at all. And he clarifies his intention when he clarifies the command. Which one, Jesus? Which is the most important? He goes, love me with everything. That's the one. It changes your approach. It changes your prayer life. It changes your interactions with others. It changes your emotions. Now here's the thing about this command. This command is so over the top. Love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. As soon as that comes out of the mouth of God, you and I, if we're at honest at, at, at all, if we've got a little bit of honesty in us, we go... I can't. It's not in me. Full-blown honesty is this. You're the most lovable. You're the mo- you've got the most magnetism. You're the most desirous. But I'm so broken. I can't simply follow that command. And he goes, not a problem. Not a problem. Because I've just trapped you with the command. And you go, What do you mean you've trapped me? He goes, I've given you a command that you cannot fulfill on your own. You need me to do it. And what's more is this. The response of your heart to fulfill this command is predicated upon the fact that you must know how I feel about you. The only way you can do this command is if you get what's originating in here for you. I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, I said it in 1 John. 1 John 4. Verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. The first commandment takes into account, implicitly, it takes into account That you must know God's love for you or you cannot fulfill the first commandment. We love him based out of the revelation of his love for us. Do you get what he's done with the first commandment? He trapped you into love. He goes, there's one commandment that's the most important important to me. Love me with everything. We go, but we can't. He goes, no problem. I'll help. I love you. We go, well, well, what? He goes, overwhelming. 
He goes, I'm asking for all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. I'm asking for you to love me that way. And I know you can't, but let me show you something. I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. He goes, go into that for a while, and something will happen on the inside of you. You will be defeated in love. He goes, find out my affections for you, and it will so transform your heart that falling in love with me will be the most natural overflow of your frame. It's what you're made for. You're made to respond to love more than you're made to respond to anything else. Let me tell you a truth about humans. Humans are made to respond to love more than they are made to respond to anything else. That's why the command to love is so loaded. Do you get how he's caught you? He commands you to love. He makes your frame that you respond to love, commands you to love that you can't answer on your own. And then he goes, perfect, because the only way you can answer this command is knowing the way I feel. And he's asking for the measure of love that we would I'm going to say this clearly. He's asking for a measure of love that the only way we can give it is by understanding the measure of love that he's giving. What I mean is, he's asking for all our heart. Why? Because it's all his heart. He's asking for all of our mind. Why? Because it's all of his mind. His thoughts about you are like the sand of the sea. He's written your name on the palm of his hand. As many as are the stars of the sky, so are his thoughts about you. So here's God going, oh, oh. Shanna, Shanna, Shanna. He goes, Shanna, oh, Shanna. I've been thinking about you, Shanna, Shanna, Shanna. Hallelujah, I love you, Shanna. I love you, Shanna. The angels come, they go, we've got serious spiritual warfare over here in the 1040 window, Lord. He goes, okay, at least angels, and we're going to prayer and blow it out in Jesus' name. Okay, good. And then he comes back and he goes, what was I thinking about? Shanna! Yes! I love her. Guys, that's how it is. He is that crazy, out of control in love. Nuts, head over heels, wild, cuckoo for coconuts kind of love. For you. I mean, Cocoa Plus. He is completely for you. He, I mean, he's just over and over. It's what he's thinking about. All of his heart. All of his mind. All of his soul. All of his strength. To the level of becoming a human. Putting on skin. Allowing people to mock and spit. And crush. And beat. And stab. And I mean, just pierce his hands, pierce his feet, die. Why? He's he's radical in love. Why the cross? Because I'm after love. Why the scourging? Because I'm after love. Why the mockery, God? I'm after love. Why the manger had to be somewhere and I'm after love? Why the humiliation, Jesus? Because you have no idea 
how serious I am. I'm after love. And the only way that you will be able to love me the way I've commanded is if you know what's going on inside of me for you. All of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all of my strength. If you want to know the way God loves you, it's implied in the first commandment. You're to love him with all of that, but you can't do that on your own. You have to know his love for you before you can, com- you can fulfill the first commandment. And that is what he's asking for is what's burning in him. You catch that? What he's asking for from you is what's burning in him for you. And I sit back and I go, oh my, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, God. I'm weak at this. I am bad at this. I am not. There's so much more love I can give. And I just realized from my own heart, I just go, man. To me, the margin between me understanding his love and then giving love the margin between what I understand and what I actually give, that's, that's the revelation that I really have to have of the knowledge of his love for me. I've got to get such a greater level of, of the revelation of God's love so that it takes my, what I'm offering through the roof. I understand he wants all and I give, I don't know how much. That margin tells me how much more I've got to know love. Because he's after all. He's after everything. He wants all of me. He wants all of me. And he wants all of you. We're just going to take some weeks, gang. We're just going to focus on this. We're just going to allow this to go deep in us. I want to end with this thought. It's what I've been saying, but I want to crystallize it. It works for the entire Bible. Every command in the scripture has several levels of implications to it. When God commands, it's an invitation to know him in what he commands. Because we're made to respond to him. So if he commands love, it's an invitation to know love. If he commands patience, it's an invitation to know patience. If he commands righteousness, it's an invitation to know righteousness. Every command is always an invitation because the only way that we can answer that command is by knowing him in that facet. And in that feature, we don't have it in ourselves of ourselves. We have to know God. That's why we say it takes God to love God. It takes God, the revelation of God's love for us, for us to be able to love him. And it works that way with every single command in the scripture. Now, here's the other thing about every command. Every command in the scripture is also a prophetic promise of divine enablement in that regard. In other words, this. 
God won't command you to do something that he knows you'll never be able to do. He commands you to do it knowing you won't be able to do it unless he enables you to do it. The command is a prophetic promise of grace. You see that? He goes, love me with everything. You go, I I don't got it. He goes, no problem. I'll help you. The command is always a promise of divine enablement to be able to fulfill the command. This is what we've got to comprehend about God. He commands love because he's inviting us to love. And he wants to overwhelm us with love. That, that's what we've got to get. This whole story is about a God who is radically in love, who commands love, who wants to flood us with love. That's what the story is about. When we make the story about something else, we've completely missed the story. Right from Jesus' lips. It's the first one. It's the great one. All the law and the prophets hang on this. This is what it's about. It's about flowing in love with God. I was thinking about it. Just driving over here and I just thought, you know. I wouldn't want to serve a God that was after something besides love. I know I wouldn't of myself come up with making a God who's all about love. Because I'm just too broken to come up with that, of that kind of an amazing idea. But I was thinking, what if, what if our God wasn't after love? What if, he was, what if he was after service? What if that was his whole thing? Just getting a bunch of slaves. What if he was after blind faith? Never wanting to touch your heart, but you have to obey. Some people think that God is like, Always grabbing you by the throat and like forcing you. He's never been that way. He'll never be that way. That's not who he is. I just thought, man, I wouldn't want to serve a God that was after anything but love. And I went, oh, thank God I don't have to. We get to serve a God whose whole story is about Calling us to love. That's the whole story. Why did he make you? He made you to love. He made you to love. I'll end with this. Funny story from when I was a youth pastor. I tell this story all over the place. I haven't told it here in a long time. So when I was a youth pastor, we'd had this mutiny rise in our youth group. And, uh, I had about 10 kids who just talking bad about me and just so negative. And I just, you know, I started pulling out those scriptures about if, you know, you stone the rebellious kid. I just thought, man, Lord, if you just stone one kid, no one else will ever be rebellious again. Look, this is going to be true confessions for a minute. Just hang on. So if you just stone one, it's over. No one else will ever do that. And the Lord's like, you don't know what spirit you're of. So my wife and I decide to do what most spiritual people would do. We decide to go drown our sorrows in Chicago-style pizza. Anybody who's spiritual would do that. 
Well, that's just where we were at. So we make a road trip. We go to the pizza place. If you don't know what Chicago-style pizza is, it's this thick. The crust is crispy, chewy. The sauce is on the top. The cheese is in the middle. Hallelujah. (laughs) Takes 45 minutes to make. You can eat one piece, two if you're just crazy going for it, three if you're trying to drown your sorrows. Because of the delay, you have to you have to order the garlic rolls. There's those circular little little rolls, crunchy on the outside, chewy in the middle, and they're just kind of like swimming around in butter. We get a dozen, down the dozen, the pizza comes, I eat three pieces. It's an hour drive home, and I'm still frustrated. The pizza didn't help a bit. Every time I swallow, I still taste it. It's like Thanksgiving on steroids. I'm really in pain. I'm in the dark. I'm upset. It's bad. And my wife nestles up against me in a narcoleptic coma. In a moment of utter despair and garlicified pain, I say, Lord, why did you even make people? We're all going to hell. Why did you even make us? I know there's a lot more spirituality in this room than that, but that's where I was at. Why did you even make us? God says to my heart in one second, the whole conversation takes place in three seconds, but I'll give you the conversation. He says back to my heart, why did I make you? And I'm, I'm in that place of just, I'm not trying to be spiritual. Like, what are you doing? I go, and I literally I go, not now, Lord. I'm just, don't, don't mess with me. <laughs> and, and here's why. Because when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. And he says again, just tenderly in my heart, why did I make you? And I said, God, I... I don't know. I mean, I, I remembered a t-shirt I had that said created to, be, or created to worship. The t-shirt said created to worship. So I said, you made me to worship you. And I immediately, <laughs> true confessions, I immediately got a picture of the movie Men in Black when they open the locker and there's all these little guys in there and they're going, hail, hail, hail. <laughs> and the Lord said, do you think I'm like that? No, no, I don't think you're like that. He says, no, I, di- I didn't make you for that. Okay, well, and he said it again. Why did I make you? I said, I, 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 you made me to serve you, to serve you. And just tenderly in my heart, he said, I have 10,000 times 10,000 servant angels. What could you possibly do for me? <laughs> I'm like, Lord, you're not making this any better at all. And just again, why did I make you? So I thought I'd go broad, and I said, uh, to fulfill my purpose. Here I am, I've been in ministry like 10 years, and I don't even know why we're here. (laughs) To fulfill my purpose, he goes, son, without me, you'd have no purpose. I am your purpose. Why would I make you to fulfill a purpose? I was just like, this is bad. I don't, I don't even know why we're here, God. This is horrible. And he just says it. He goes, son, what am I? What am I? 
I said, your love. First John 4, 8 came right up. Your love. Because that's right. I am love and I must love. And I didn't make you for any other purpose but to love you. You've been created to be loved by me. Man, beloved, when that hit my heart, everything changed. He didn't make me to do anything. He made me to be something. The object of his affections. See, that whole idea is summed up in the first commandment. That he would command love. It's clear. He made you to flow back and forth in love with you. I don't know what is motivating you right now. But if it's not the love of God, it's an inferior motivator. You're being motivated by something far inferior than what you were created to be motivated by. You're made to be loved. and You're made to live for love. You're made to live by love, by the love of God, which is the most impactful, most motivating reality there is in all creation. This is who we are. Which is the most important one? I think it's so awesome. Jesus is looking these guys who are testing him in the eye. And essentially he's saying, guys, it's love me. Love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Those same men would orchestrate his crucifixion within a week. And he's calling them to love. I don't know what you're in it for. When I first got saved, I got in it because I didn't want to go to hell. But I didn't stay in it because I didn't want to go to hell. I stayed in it for love. Because we're made for love. And I'll tell you, our greatest need is love. The greatest motivator is love. And it's the greatest desire of God's heart towards you. Love. Amen.